I like big bucks and I cannot lie. This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrod Podcast, brought to you by Risky Outdoors. In this episode, you'll be hearing us referring to visual references. That's simply because we recorded this podcast live over on Facebook. Son and I have my good buddy, Philip Holton, on this episode, and we are talking about a 157-inch buck that he harvested back in 2015. So just a little heads up. If you're hearing those visual references, that is why. So without further ado, we're going to get right into this, and Cassandra and I are going to pick Phil's brain on some Michigan bucks. So we'll get started real quick. Uh, Hi, Anna. So we start, we're, we've decided to start the Nimrods podcast. Simply just talk big Michigan whitetails with Michigan deer hunters. Um, that's why we got, well, not not us two, but we got <laughs> this guy on today. Um so. We, we decided to call it Nimrods. The reason being that we're going to call it Nimrods is the North American term means someone with very little skill. Hence, myself, Cassandra, and then the other <laughs> co-host that we'll have on here is my buddy Jake Sondergaard. So, um, then the biblical term is a descendant. Noah was a descendant, uh, or Nimrod was a descendant of Noah, and he was known as the world's greatest hunter. So, North American hunters interviewing the actual <laughs> biblical nimrods the best hunters so coming into this first off we're just going to ask phil to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself kind of how you got into hunting okay. uh, my name is philip holton and uh i don't really know how i got into hunting my dad wasn't really a big hunter but my grandpa was a big hunter and uh my grandpa actually bought property um specifically he bought a farm but he bought it specifically just for uh, i think pheasant hunting mostly hmm. um back when there was actually pheasants down in michigan <laughs> southern michigan now the coyotes destroy them all but so he was he was probably the biggest influence on me and then my uncle kyle um he was a big hunter so i mean i started bow hunting i think when i was 13 uh yeah and just I love I love deer hunting and I love bow hunting specifically. I think the challenge of bow hunting is uh, is where it's at and uh, just the uh, the opportunity to be out there with the deer like in their natural state. I think during bow season is much more rewarding than uh, being out there during gun season. Not that I don't gun hunt because I do. I this guy with a gun, but <clears throat> yeah, that's just uh, kind of my hunting background, background. Mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit what's your what's the best hunt you've been on doesn't have to be whitetail anything man i've been on so many memorable <laughs> hunts and a lot with this guy a lot with my buddy matt uh probably oh man well, i got a couple first is my first real turkey hunt with jordan that it was, was an awesome morning we had turkeys talking the whole morning we were chasing them all around the farm we ended up crossing the river you know, and the river's freezing cold. It was April or May. Oh. Our feet were soaking wet. I had a single shot 12 gauge. This turkey came in probably 15 yards, missed it, and I had to <laughs> break the single shot 12 gauge, put another round in, and probably dropped it. At, it was probably like 50 yards or something. It was, it was a poke. <laughs> it was fun. It was just crazy. That was just one of those hunts that you'll never forget. And mm-hmm. So many different deer hunts that I can remember, but... Uh, probably that turkey hunt is probably the most memorable for me. That was a great. Was it, hunt. That, that was one fun. was a great story too. This, this one was a great story. Fudge, too. is that what we yeah. call this guy? 
Yep, this, so this guy's called Fudge, and uh, I think we'll get, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get more into, into the Fudge. Um, yeah, we'll do that right now. So first off, just kind of tell us a little bit about this deer and this, this hunt that we that we were able to actually capture on film. So we do have that video out there. Yeah, make sure you guys check that out. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, this deer, this deer, Jordan and I actually hunted 2012 was the first time we saw this deer. Yeah. It was wow. a three-and-a-half-year-old deer then, at, at least, at least yeah. three-and-a-half-year-old deer. So I believe this deer to be five-and-a-half, if not six-and-a-half, um, when I shot it. But anyways, back in 2012, I think it was a three-and-a-half-year-old deer. Uh, Jordan and I were in one of my older sits uh, down by the mill race and by the river. And uh, it really, it's a good stand, but it really... Um, isn't it wasn't that great of day for it. Mm. We had a kind of a west wind and swirling winds, and he came straight downwind of us. Um, Looking back, we say that now. Yeah, <laughs> now we kind of got. Yeah, I think we've grown a little bit as hunters because we used to just you know go out there and. Uh, yeah, we were we didn't know what we were doing. No, we didn't. <laughs> but we had a good time. We did. So we saw this guy, and he came right downwind of us out of the bedding area where. Now we know where they bed and everything, but. He was really distinctive. You could really tell this. These two points right here. I don't know if you guys see that. Well, these two points right here, you can really tell, um, and that's how kind of how I knew who he was when I shot him in 2015. But um, Fudge, he got his name because his right side rack actually he had it broke off, and it came up and it looked like it made an F. It was really weird. But he was a fighter. He, I mean, he was a fighter. I think all his whole life. Even right now, he's a 14 point, and eight of his 14 points are broken. They're not full points. Um, I think he scored 157, as is, and who knows what he would have scored if he yeah. had all of his points. Probably mid 160s. I love that split brow too. Yeah, he had Gosh, a split brow, brow over here, and his G2 split right here. That's really I don't know if you can't see that, but that's really cool. And just this point right here, how it kind of makes that Y mm -hmm. shape. And this side's more typical, just your typical, you know. Five points on this side, and then this side has all the character. But he's heavy on that other side. He is very heavy. He's definitely the heaviest buck I've shot. Not the heaviest buck that's been taken off my grandpa's farm, but he definitely has great mass on him. He's crazy. <laughs> it's an understatement. And the neighbors got pictures of him the year we didn't see him. Yeah, so Jordan and I saw him in 2012 during bow season, and he was a nice deer. I think, I, I mean, I was going to try and shoot him. But that was early on in our my hunting, you know, career hunting experience. I really haven't taken any big bucks at that time, so I was gonna try and shoot him. And luckily, he was downwind of us and took off because he turned into this giant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's crazy how it happened. We saw him, like I said, in 2012, and then it was the day after Thanksgiving, 2015, is when I harvested him. Uh, Jordan and I were just out we were walking the farm yeah. with our shotguns and we actually were kind of stalking up on two other bucks on top of this little hill overlooking a swamp and uh, I don't know if they saw us or what but they just kind of took off and Jordan and I kind of scurried around the side of the swamp we we're looking kind of through this draw through the swamp and Jordan all of a sudden sees this buck stand up and we didn't know it was Fudge. <clears throat> um, he just said big buck. And he saw it stand up and go right back down. 
It was quick. It was real quick. Um, and if it would have been five, ten seconds, we wouldn't have never saw this deer. We would have never got a shot at this deer. Um, so that was pretty cool how Jordan saw him. And we just kind of s- slowly made our way down this trail. And uh, he was not getting up out of his bed. I mean, <laughs> this is post-rut. <laughs> I just think he was so worn out. And he's definitely a fully mature deer. I don't know if he just gotten away with that throughout the years just being you know staying bedded even when he's felt pressure because he was in like the middle of swamp grass there's no way you could have seen him if he didn't stand up we walked by him we walked by him and and actually kind of kept looking into the grass (laughs) and like he there he is 30 40 yards away bedded and and we're talking as loud as we are right now yeah (laughs) that's the best part of the video hey hey Hey. yeah we were literally like trying to get this deer to stand up that was pretty crazy um he is a he's an awesome monarch, and uh, I was very blessed to be able to, be able to harvest him. Now and, I think uh, if I remember the story right, wasn't it because you guys got so close because you stalked him so close that you had a hard time seeing him in your scope? Yeah, yeah. So I had a single <laughs> shot, twenty gauge with rifle barrel and everything, and uh, I mean we were walking right up on him, and I just wish I had a different gun because I would I was like looking at him. <laughs> And a lot of people said, like, he might have been hit by a car or whatnot. And actually, the taxidermist, uh, Danny and Emily, they noticed that right here on his neck, mm. he has a wound. Um, it looks like a broadhead. Oh, yeah. Hit his neck. Um, I don't know if you guys can see that. He's got but short hair. He's got really short hair, and it just looks like it's been cut. So I don't know if he was wounded during... You know, during a bow season, or hit by a car, what or whatnot, or if he just was that comfortable staying bedded, and where he felt like he was safe, where he didn't want to get up. Um, it's but. it's crazy because the more and more like that I look back at that hunt. Now that we're, I, I mean, we're, I like to think we're better hunters than we were yeah, then. Definitely. But that that swamp grass is unbelievable for holding deer. Yeah, like un unreal. I mean, we've. I, I'm just thinking about how many times we walked your farm, and I can't imagine how many big bucks that we have been 30 yards from and just never mm-hmm. seen. Just that are they're that comfortable laying down in that mm-hmm. swamp grass. And it's like, they don't even get up. And I preach to Cassandra all the time: just move slow mm-hmm. and just glass. We use your binoculars all the time. I don't have the greatest eyes. I think you know that you just went shed hunting, and, and I think it's more challenging than anyone makes it out to be. I have the worst eyes on the planet. Binoculars give me an instant headache, and so Jordan has like the perfect eyes. Uh, He's got the best deer. I have been on many hunts with Jordan, yeah, and he spots deer usually before I do. Yeah, you no, know, he's always pointing out. I still don't see. Him. He's like right here in your binoculars. Got to look for ab- <laughs> abnormalities. That's word. I'm using yeah. big words on this podcast yeah, wow. lately. It's been good. Huh. But. That that is probably one of the most memorable hunts that I have ever been on. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, so we were we were, we were bad there? we were bad hunters and we okay, were bad but hunters. no, but <laughs> to, to shoot that mature of a buck though, you got to be doing something right. So I mean, what was the thought process back in the day? I know that you've obviously learned a lot and done a lot since, but what was that thought process and strategy? If, you, if there really was have a strategy. no, <laughs> we, we were, were just, running and gunning. We were running and gunning. <laughs> we were after. we've been we just we've always been successful on being aggressive, like slow. Like still hunting, yeah, we have really successful. Jordan and I have both been successful still hunting. Yeah, um, bow we've done it. Yeah, gun we've done it. It's uh, cr- that is crazy. It is kind <laughs> of crazy because you never really that. whitetail hunt like that. No. Um, I think in more recent years, 
I've become a better hunter in the sense that I know where to sit on what you know what wind and where their bedding is. So I I've got become a better hunter in the sense that I don't really need to you know do more still hunting. I can mm-hmm. actually I know where the deer are. I know where they're moving, so I can get in the spot to ambush them. Yeah. So in that sense, I'm a better hunter. I've talked to Sisney doesn't like something. <laughs> we just we just recorded a podcast with Andy Plum and I and I brought up I was like man we're gonna have Phil on here. And I think, like, when we hunt together, the reason I think we're so successful is I say you're my equalizer because I'm, like, extremely, like, let's go, Phil, let's go. And you're more of, like, the stealthy, like, let's, Yeah, I don't know. I think we just work well together when we're in the woods together. I think we do, too. Just because you're more calm than I am. (laughs) He's a savage in the woods. (laughs) I'm like the western hunter. Like, let's just go after him. Let's go after him. Well, even out west when we were mule deer hunting. Yeah. I think that time when we stocked those three giant muleys. And there was a couple different scenarios where we could have gone different ways. And we're like, no, let's, like, you try to stay behind them. You're like, no, let's just go right up there. So, I mean, it works out well. And different style of hunting you know, works. I'm, I'm not, you can't be set in your ways of, mm. you know, just sitting out of a tree stand trying to ambush them. Yeah. When you can get great opportunities still hunting, great opportunities bumping deer. Um, I would say with Michigan though, specifically shooting a 150 class plus deer is, is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance at a, a deer like this. I would like to say I'm gonna, um, I think this year you're going to kill a deer bigger than that. The property wow. that I hunt, I am very I, blessed. I'm going to go out and say that Phil will wow. shoot a deer bigger than this this what year. What are you going to bet? Let's, let's go ahead. It's I, live right now. You should I think bet you something. do it. I'm very blessed with some awesome property that my grandpa and dad have uh, acquired. Um, and I am, I do have some nice hitless bucks that made it, well, that we <laughs> that hopefully we think, made it yeah. through. Um, we didn't find their sheds. I don't know if you guys follow us on Instagram or whatnot, but... Jordan and I went out shed hunting last weekend. Mm-hmm. We found more dead deer than sheds, yeah. and some decent deer that I knew of that were probably two and a half and three and a half that had potential. Um, but luckily, I didn't find four deer that were bigger and more mature that I think could be some pretty special deer next year. Yeah. So what's I have your, high hopes for next year. What's your number one for next year? Who do you um, want more than anything? I have. <laughs> Four bucks that I know <laughs> no, 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 no. are that I, I know we're gonna four. be mature and that I'm gonna go after. Um, probably score wise, I have a deer that I've been watching just kind of this year that I've noticed. Uh, his name's Four Eyes um, because off of his brow tines, he's got two tines coming straight out. Um, I think hmm. he'll score the highest, but probably the deer I'm most excited to hunt is a deer I call Buddy. Uh, it's a the past two years he's just been a typical eight point. And um, I believe he was a three-year-and-a-half-year-old this year. And I've, I've really been trying to hold out on deer. Four-and-a-half is kind of my age limit. And uh, one, you know, 130s, mid-130s, 140. Hopefully I'm trying to, although I shot a nice eight-point this year who was probably 130, 135. But he was nice and mature four-and-a-half-year-old deer. So probably Buddy, he's just a nice eight point that I literally, I called him Buddy because it seemed like almost every time I went out, um, I get sightings of this deer or I pull my trail cam cards and I have him on trail cam. He just like, he always shows up when I'm hunting and he's tempted me many times. <laughs> I've had lots of, 
I don't even know how many encounters with this deer. Um, Phil gave me a crack at him. Jordan did shoot at <laughs> wait, him. Wait, is this yeah. the one? This year. Yeah. Twice. This, wait, this is the one where his Once gun? with a gun on my brother's, and then... Wait, is this the one, yeah, where he had a misfire? No, no, no that's uh, a nine. So oh. Jordan did... He was out... We were out this year. It was, I don't know, bow season. No, it was gun. It was we gun season, but we had our, had our bows, bows yeah. and uh, Jordan actually shot, and it just skipped off the front of his brisket. Oh, right. And he bled, and we tracked him, and... He, he we ran jumped off him. We jumped him, and yeah. he was fine. I saw him a couple days later walking, nothing, and he walked 20 yards from me. So that's why I call this dear buddy. He just <laughs> he seems like our buddy in the boat, <laughs> he's like every time I'm out in the woods, I get to see him and have a interaction with him. So do you think uh, so, you think he's gonna be bigger than that tall eight score wise? Uh, Dude, that tall eight is big. Probably not. Probably not. He's probably not gonna be the score. I mean, even he's probably three and a half year old this year. So probably next year, a four-and-a-half-year-old, he might be mid-130s. I think he's even bigger than that. Maybe. Depends how many inches he puts on this year. But So with that being said, so if Buddy's your number one on your hit list, what is your plan, strategy, preparation that you're going to be working on this whole year in preparation for season for him? Um, So like most hunters, um, I try to, you know, do some either timber stand improvement or put in new food plots or, you know, just kind of enhance the property that I'm on so mm-hmm. like right now this probably tomorrow is when I'm going to be frost seeding uh just throwing some clover down mixture of clover and uh if it takes I'll leave it if not I'll uh, till it up in the uh, you know August or September and then plant something else in there but just kind of trying to you know enhance your property and mm-hmm. make it more desirable for deer to be on and I, and it has worked definitely and me becoming a better hunter I've seen the quality of deer and just better hunts of seeing more deer mm-hmm. yeah. um, closer range through okay. you know through basic basic land improvements i guess you could say can you talk a little bit about without like giving away kind of where you are but just kind of the layout of right. your guys's property and why it's so good so this yeah. this butts up to andy my andy and the two of my brothers own a piece of property and Andy kind of in the next video or next podcast will kind of talk a little bit about that, but just kind of a little background of kind of how everything lays out. Um, so the land lays out, it's basically, it has the Kalamazoo river runs right through the middle of it. Um, and then my dad's property is mostly ag and then river bottom and then one little chunk of timber. And then my grandpa's property, which is connected to it, um, on one side of the river, it's just a huge block of timber, which I really don't hunt. Um, my uncles and my cousins hunt that. But then on the south side of the river, it's kind of where I hunt. And that's more ag fields and just kind of a mixture of swamp and timber. What, what is it that you think that is like... Because we all know Michigan's super hard to kill mature bucks. Michigan is. Right? Yeah. It's, and it's hard to grow big bucks. So... I know your property very well, and I know the, like some of the surrounding properties pretty well. What is it that that area, specifically like Jackson County, it's known for big bucks mm-hmm. in Michigan, and Michigan's not known for that. So what do you think it is in that area that is allowing bucks to get to this age class and well, this I, structure? I, just don't, I don't think it's Jackson County in particular. I think it's most of the state of Michigan, especially you know southern Michigan, um, which is historically it's odd because my grandpa talks about 
going up to deer camp up north in the UP hmm. and seeing and shooting big mature bucks. And when he bought the farm back in the 60s, there was no whitetails on the farm. Hmm. And now he goes up north, and there's no whitetails up north. But he's still, but he's been going up north every year, every tradition. deer season tradition for fifty some years. Hasn't missed a year, and uh, you know it's it's weird to think like, okay, why are all these deer now in southern Michigan that used to be in northern, or you know, they didn't move obviously, but how come there were more deer up north and now there's more deer down south and. It's probably because ag and mm-hmm. maybe because up north they used to do a lot of timber, you know, harvesting timber so the deer had more natural browse. Um, and I think in Michigan in, in general, you know, you're never more than seven miles from a body of water. So I think that helps. I think there's a lot of swamp land, a lot of low wetlands and river bottoms that the deer get to hide in. Um, and... It's not just the the property that I hunt. Um, I was it three years ago. I shot a nice nine point. Um, oh, I think yeah. one thirty nine is what it scored. Wow. Um, and it wasn't on my family's property. It was on a friend's property that just let me hunt. Um, and it was sw- it's swampland. It's all swampland. And I just think that the low, if you can find land that's near or on, you know, low swampy ground that has you know, cattails and tall marshy grass that these bucks can hide in. I just think, I think you can, uh, you can put yourself in a, in a spot for success. And that's kind of like what I've been hearing, like talking to more and more guys. It's, you know, when we, when we started looking for land, guys were saying, get wet ground, Mm -hmm. get get somewhere where you're going to have cattails and tall grasses and you want it thick, you want bedding. And I, I mean, talking more and more to people, they're harvesting big deer in that wet that wetlands mm-hmm. i mean your tall grasses and i it's just crazy to me that and then you look at like a, a state like iowa out of obviously probably less hunters is in cornfield yeah it's mainly cornfields more, yeah. mm-hmm. more ag so maybe in less hunters but to me like michigan is i, I true this was the i keep i always say this 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 state has potential to grow some of the biggest deer i think it does i i, I honestly wish michigan would go to one buck tag Per person per year, I think honestly, if we did that, you could see some every year see some monster deers coming. Yeah, you know, just I mean, and not to say that people who shoot two bucks a year are doing anything wrong. That's awesome, but I just think if you were limited to one deer a year, much more a you'd selective. be much more selective, and two, I think deer would just get to that next age class and that next you know, yeah. the next potential level would be that much higher. Yeah. That's crazy because that was one of our questions. I have a different view on that, and Cassandra likes a one buck tag. Yeah, I agree with you on this. I don't agree with what Jordan's got cooking. No, I I, I like. I think it's like a, I th- I want to say it's Utah. I have to look because I'm I'm always I've always said this that I like the idea of your first buck tag. You're you're allowed one buck tag, but if you want a second one, you always purchase it at a out of state price. I mean. And then Kassan brings up, well, that doesn't make it fair for everyone because not everyone has the same opportunities. Right. But I, but my my feeling is those guys that are buying two buck tags, they're wasting that first one because they know that they, they have that other one burning in their pocket. But if you know that you have to pay pay for it. Yeah, 200 and some odd dollars yeah. without a state tag. And then, and then for everyone that's like, well, I'm not going to buy another buck tag this year, the state would be happy because we're buying... 
that for that one guy that buys a tag, he's making up for the six that don't buy a tag. Yeah, and combo right licenses for in-state residents are relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so forty. Yeah, I think. forty, and then your base license yeah. is like fifteen mm-hmm. or something like so that. So it probably would, revenue-wise, for the state. Obviously, hunting is a major uh, money-making industry, not just for you know private companies, but also for states as well. So. They they want to see you know just as many hunters and tags being bought and stuff like that. So it's, I don't know. It's just a weird. I, it's it's just an idea that I I liked. I heard about it, and I mean I haven't done a whole lot of research on it, and it kind of brings up the big good point. Like not everyone has that same opportunity. Yeah. So, so I just think it kind of limits the people. That sometimes like this is all they have, or you know, and like to right. to separate that of the people that can afford it versus not. I feel like. It, you kind of lose the tradition piece to me of, right. you know, when you go out in the field, sometimes it doesn't matter what kind of clothing you have, but, you know, it's like sometimes you just yeah. have the old traditional there and they're same mossy oak camo that's 40 years old. Mm-hmm. I just, I love the, the idea of, jumpsuit. yeah, exactly. Like I just kind of like the idea of everyone being in the same playing field and like I feel like that adds a whole other layer to it. I feel like maybe you should open up and see if any questions coming in live. Yeah, if you, guys have, going. Yeah, you guys, guys have questions, questions for yeah, me let's or Facebook. Jordan and or shoot them about say, Michigan deer hunting in general. Yeah, let's yeah. hear from the audience here. Shoot them through. Come on, go to Facebook too, Jordan. And I got a couple questions right for Jordan and Cassandra. Um, uh, why they're uh, doing this? One is uh, how can uh, people on Facebook and Instagram get a hold of you guys so they could uh, show know. off their 150 class plus deer on? Yeah, so if you guys are interested in coming on and just kind of chatting with us, go to riskyoutdoors.com. There's a contact us link. Um, Shoot us a message. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and the deer that you want to talk about. Really, we're, we're we're not excluding anybody because every deer we we feel is is super cool. But in the end, we want to talk to guys that are killing big Michigan bucks and guys that have killed even if it's just one single buck. We want to just hear your story. Like Phil, come on and just talk about this buck. Mm-hmm. Um, the fudge it was just a super special hunt and we just wanted to we want to pick guys brains about that and gals Mm -hmm. so the more of you guys that want to talk to us we want to talk we have a we have a really good lineup coming for you guys um gosh it is such a special (laughs) deer uh we want to chat with you guys so just come on and let us know like i said who's got some questions that thing is monstrous he is a big deer so, Phil, like, I mean, one question, and feel free to pop in, everybody, um, but how do you feel about the wind? Are you a big wind guy, moon phase guy? Like, what is your take on kind of the... Um, probably my overall strategy for deer hunting is pressure. Um, you can do, do everything in your power to not let the deer know you're in the woods. Mm-hmm. I would say biggest thing, I mean, obviously scent control. There's so much out there now you can do for scent control. Um, I usually, you know, what's it called? Ozone, you know, you can get the little ozone generators, throw them in a tote with your clothes and then spray down. But I think bigger than being in the stand is probably your access to the stand and leaving the stand. I think the last 150, 200 yards of you getting to your stand, slow down and be very methodical about making as little as noise possible as getting into your tree stand. I just think this last year, year and a half, two years of hunting, I've really tried to, A, only go out and hunt spots that I know are right, are in the, the right conditions for weather, for wind, 
And then two, um, be very methodical about getting in and out of my stand. Yeah. I like you're saying the last two years, because before that, just sitting on the edge of that, that little stretch of pines, when we first saw that deer, we were in the wrong spot, Mm -hmm. you know, and just, just slowing down and just slow down and think about your, you know, like I said, your access to where you want to hunt and, uh, don't be in a rush to hunt when you see the first major cold front, if it's not the right wind or, you know, and use neighbor's pressure. I know Jordan, (laughs) Jordan's brother and Andy and my uncle and cousins, uh, you know, they're, they work jobs and they're out on the weekends where I work weekends. So I usually, I mean, I hunt, I work third shift. So I have the opportunity to hunt every evening hunt if I want to, but, and a lot of times I want to hunt every evening, but I know if I do, I'm probably just going to booger up my land. Mm -hmm. So I try to stay out of there to when the time is perfect for that spot. That's, that's the thing that I struggle with most. Like if I have an opportunity, I'm in the woods. Right. And I know just from yeah. your success this year, you probably saw more shooter bucks and hunted less, yeah. way less than I did this yeah, year. Right. Way I, less. I think that's part of my success the past two years is just being smart and not going out every opportunity I got. Even it's a cold, crisp October day and you just want to be in the tree standing. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, everything's not right for this situation. So I'm going to wait and uh, just... It's weird because you get that itch to be in the tree stand and a drawback on deer. And I, I mean, I love shooting deer. It's awesome. Like I said, especially with bow, it's it's just it's such a thrill and a rush to be out there. But to yeah. really be smart, to be a smarter hunter, not a harder hunter, is uh, mm-hmm. what I've been trying to do lately. Thank you got a question from? No, Austin says. Anna Joy on what's Instagram. Up? Oh, what Anna say? Let's see. <laughs> you. Probably just answered this, but what did you learn recently that's going to make you a better hunter? Ooh, Anna, I that's like from, that. I bet that's from Jake. <laughs> uh, recently, yeah. it's like I said, like I just said, probably hunting smarter, not harder. Just really making sure, you know, the time and the weather is perfect for that one sit and uh, access, being smart about your access. How about you, Jordan? I, you had a successful season. I mean, I had a successful season, but my success was yeah, these two was was west, them, west of the Mississippi. So yeah. I mean, that's it's a little different. Like that's why I'm here, man. I I can't kill bucks in Michigan. I don't know what it is, but no, I honestly I I love Phil's idea of hunting smarter and not harder. But then there's a part of me to each to each is their own. Like I just enjoy being in the woods, plain yeah. and simple. Like if I. If I know the weather is not right, I might go sit in a stand that I I might not I might not see a deer, but it's just being out there. So mm-hmm. there are sometimes like you'll see guys go out. Those that are s- smart about it might not go into a stand that's going to pressure deer. So if you're yeah, you get, get where I'm going with that. Like yeah, because Jordan literally hunts every single moment he mm-hmm. is able to. Yeah, and, and, I, that, and that's I'm, awesome. I I mean that's great. I, <laughs> It's like great, Jordan but it's not out, at the same time. Being out in the woods is awesome. It's a it's a special thing. It's hmm. it's something that I, you know, I just enjoy so much, and I will always do, even if I'm not even hunting. I love <clears throat> going for walks, just walks back in the woods, and you know, just being out in nature, being yeah. in that fresh air, and you know, yeah, it's special. But I guess it, uh, to my point, it's like if you want to kill big deer, 
I, I truly believe that you, you have to hunt less, you have to hunt smarter. Yeah. Plain and simple. I totally believe that. But, I, but I'm like... But the other side, you miss 100% of the shots you don't yeah, take, and you're not going to yep. shoot a buck if you're in bed. That's the only thing. And, but the thing is, he shoots bucks every year, and, and he doesn't hunt that much. <laughs> and it when and the picky. time comes... And he's picky. When it, the time comes, it is good to be aggressive. Yeah. You can't, you can't just sit back and wait for that perfect opportunity, perfect stance it, when, like, you may know, like, Jordan and I, we hunted this one deer this year called Cat. He had nine lives. He's still got he more. should be dead. We haven't found his his body or his shed, so maybe he made it through the year. I doubt it. But there was times when Jordan and I hunted this deer a couple days in a row, hunting him hard, hunting him aggressive, and yeah. it all came down to equipment malfunction. Two misfires. Two misfires. And Life this year is an awesome deer that Jordan should have hanging on his wall, you know, this year. But or Andy should have hanging on his wall. Or the Andy shot him. hanging on the wall. <laughs> I, I passed him up. <laughs> I should have shot him. You should have shot him. So he, was a, he was a wicked cool deer. So, some rapid questions. For rapid him. questions for Phil. You have one thing that you never leave your vehicle with or, or your house. You Other always the basics. Always take to the stand. Can't say your release. Um, obviously your bow. Obviously your release. Yeah. Other than that, like Other mine is that. mine. I'll give you an, mine's binos. I never, never hunt without them. Hmm. Never. See, I have. If I'm spotting a sock and I'm still at my binos. I've forgotten binos before. I don't know. I don't know. Mine's hand warmers because if I'm cold, I'm out for the count. Yeah, probably my hat. Probably a hat, just because my ears get cold and I like wearing a hat when I'm outside. There you go. It's like my uh, sick conduct gear. That is the one piece of clothing. It's my, by far my favorite piece of clothing that I have for camouflage. Yeah. So diving into scent control. I, I don't believe in scent control. Be honest with you. Like, Whoa. You're not. I, I, I use nose jammer. I'm not going to say that. But you, you're not going to beat a deer's nose. I don't care yeah. what ozone no, technology. Right. That ozone smells. That, right. That, and it goes back to hunting the stand. That when the wind's right and the you know the weather's right. Yeah. Um, a general rule of thumb is in the mornings I like to hunt above the deer, hmm. kind of up on ridges because your thermals are going to be rising in the morning. Um, so if there's no wind or low wind, your scent's still going to be rising. Hmm. Um, and then in the evening you try to get you know below the deer, which is hard to do because in the evening often oftentimes they're. They're bedding, you know, midday, they're bedding down in the cool swamp grass, so they're below you to start with. So in the evenings, it is a little bit harder, and I just try to, you know, like Jordan said, scent control, it's it's almost all about the wind. And there's two trains of thought I have on this. One, A, like I said, don't pressure the deer, stay out of the woods so you aren't putting their scent in there. But two... My family's woods, we, well, it's an active farm, so we're out there all the time. We ride four-wheelers and dirt bikes and go squirrel hunting and snowmobiles. snowmobiles. Mm -hmm. So it's another thing, like, if you're out there almost consistently, like, the deer actually know, you know, your, your smell and everything. So it's, I don't know, there's two, hmm. two different thoughts I have about that. You know, you could just go out there. I might, I might be out there once a week or every other week at least, you know, just doing something in the woods. Yeah. So the deer, the deer know I'm there, and I think it is different. When deer season starts, <laughs> there's a sweat. Especially, especially late October, the deer yeah. know. Early October, the deer seem so much more relaxed, yeah. and 
you know. Do you think that's where you have to be more strategic about going into the woods? I is think, that early October? I think more strategic, yeah. Definitely mid and late October through November and December is when you really have to be smart about, you know, you, like you said, your scent and yeah. everything like that. Because you killed your buck this year early. I The last couple years, I've had success early in the year. Hmm. Acorns. White acorns, picked bean fields, picked corn fields. I've shot two, I shot a nine point, like I said earlier, 139 inch, I believe, is what he scored. And then this past year, I shot a nice eight point, respectable four and a half year old over picked corn field that was picked, that I picked four days earlier. That's crazy. And it was, both those deer were shot within the first week, I think, of October. And then him, that deer was November 20, we just looked, 28th? Yeah. Like Thanksgiving, it was like the Saturday after, after thanks Saturday after Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Yeah. Don't you take yeah. your tractor out for, to check trail cams? I have done that. Yep. Take the tractor like out, um, or just take my you know my Jeep out. They're they're so used to having vehicles out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can kind of get away with it. That's crazy. Interesting. That is nuts. What about um, snacks in the tree stand? What's your favorite <laughs> snack? I mean, that's the really important you thing. Because I, mean, I was like the food now. Like, what do you guys take? I want more ideas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, beef. I, I'm usually a beef jerky, granola bar. No? I mean. I, I try not to take snacks. Oh, I used to. Oh, you're one of those. Sunflower seeds. We, we've no. pounded sunflower we, seeds this we, year. It's not a movement. <laughs> Lately, though, I, I don't take wow. food. Honestly, I, I think just make sure I have water. If I'm doing an all-day sit, I'll take protein bars or peanuts but just make sure I have water. Other than that, I don't take food. Peeing in a stand. Do you pee out of your stands? Oh, yeah. The deer don't... Must be nice, guys. Must be you, nice. Here's the thing. <laughs> as long as you're not, like, not drinking the energy drinks and a bunch of crap like that, I think urine, I've... Mountain Dew? What I was going to say, all he drinks <laughs> is Mountain Dew. I don't drink That's any All of that. he drinks is Mountain Dew, though, so his is a bad idea. So he, he says water is for hippies. I, I, will, <laughs> I will go to a stand and I will hunt over scrapes and I will pee in that scrape and jump up in my tree stand and I've seen deer come to that really? scrape and they Intentionally? Don't mind. Do you intentionally, intentionally pee on that? So that's like you're marking their territory. Hmm. And do you do the fake scrapes too? I have video on my phone of this nice eight point that Jordan and I found dead last week. Oh. Of it coming onto the scrape that I peed in a couple <laughs> hours earlier. It was a three and a half year old, you know, yeah. no slouch of a deer. Oh, oh, pee. So this is a big question. Ooh, what was this? And it says, speak, speaking of peeing. Oh, yeah. So there's a big debate <laughs> going on. Skook. So this is for guys. Do you clearly do you pull your underwear down and pee, or do you pull it through the little hole in the front? Oh, I go all the way down. Yes, thank you, thank you. I have a buddy that pulls it through the little hole. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> but hey, weigh here. in if you are that guy because they need some more uh, yeah. people to weigh out this <clears throat> data here. Yeah, one of our podcasts we're gonna ask like a, an actual question, and there's gonna be a Q and A like. You, we want to know. We want That's to know the stats one. on that one. Uh, so you have to pick one day to hunt. One day. One single day. Saturday. It's not too hot, not too cold. <laughs> one single day. It's got to be Halloween. Oh, I've had, okay. I think it's just that time of year where the bucks are, they're up looking, they're up searching. I've had great success. I love hunting 11th, 12th, 13th of November. Those three days are awesome. But if I had to pick one day, it'd be uh, it'd be Halloween. I like Halloween. That. Yep. Biggest deer you've ever seen. And other than this guy, you think he's the biggest you've ever seen I, in the stand? I think so. Yeah. 
Crown wouldn't have scored this no. game. No, someone shot Crown, and he sent yeah. me a score. I can't remember what he said it scored, but I think he's probably the biggest year I've ever seen. Um, but like I said, this year I, I have high hopes. I know that four eyes buck. I don't know. He, if he could be big. I bet it'll be one forty, mid one forties, maybe one fifty, depending yeah. on how many inches he puts on. He could be. He could be something special. And but, who knows with like all the bucks that we found that dead, dead, what could move in? Yeah, uh, that's true. You know, Never know. Um, what's your take on? Uh, sorry, Jordan. What's your take on kind of that dough management? Do you have like a philosophy of hey, knock out a couple of those early season um, for the meat, or like what's kind of your take there? I am a big venison eater. I love venison. Mm-hmm. I love wild game. It's definitely the staple of my diet is meat. <laughs> I eat more meat than vegetables. Did you try that diet where it was just I meat? Was a, on the carnivore diet for ten days. How was, it was it? Just, it was just too hard. It's too much cooking for me. I don't like cooking that much. But <laughs> I hear you. I fell. love venison. I usually shoot two does a year okay. at least. You know, plus a buck. So I probably shoot two or three deer a year every year just for the meat. Um, <laughs> and I eat it all. Uh, plus. Mm. I usually buy beef, so yeah. Um, and it, you really have to look at your property if you own property and you're trying to hold deer, and you know that they're, you know, they're just eating all of your food sources, and you know you don't let the deer get that nutrition they need to grow extra inches on their antlers or grow be more healthy. You probably should shoot more deer. Yeah. You know? I think that um, your your guys' buck to doe ratio in that area is pretty good. Our my grandpa's farm and you know, like your Jordan your Jordan your brother's land and Andy's land. It's the buck to doe ratio is very good this past two years. I've seen this past year I saw probably it's probably close to one to one honestly or maybe two to one somewhere between there. Mm. Yeah, you know I would say like that two to one. Yeah, because there's that. I it's weird. I think that property like your does group up so much. In the, on your like just that little section there mm-hmm. it's weird but i think they're grouping up earlier in the year than i've seen on other properties i don't know why that is but just an observation i know we have more coyotes yeah, yeah we do have a lot of coyotes over there we have a big coyote problem on our property and the coyotes are the hardest thing to hunt i spent more time hunting coyotes being <laughs> unsuccessful than hunting any other animal that is crazy yeah um crossbows this is an, another like debate that kind of Michiganders have. More regulations on them, or do you feel like it's good? Um, crossbows, you still have to be in close, you know, 50 yards and under probably with a crossbow. That new Raven's like a 100-yard crossbow. It is crazy, although um, I don't have problem people problem with people hunting with crossbows. I kind of wish they'd, you, they'd limit it to like an age limit, so let's say like 14 and under or... 60 and older or if you have a disability i kind of wish they'd do something like that that was my that's my my take but then Cassandra, you bring up a good point on this yeah so i have a little bit different take so i mean in my mind um i think it's it's kind of like i will not use a crossbow i choose to use the compound mm-hmm. and that's kind of my own choice but i kind of have the stance of i don't want to make that decision for someone else yep. um i don't want to one like i don't want to discourage if people don't have the time to practice i think it's more ethical to let them use a crossbow than it is to go out with a compound that you've not practiced very much that year um also like if you're trying to get more people involved like 
like youth and women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's it's great to have them. Maybe it's someone that's not as experienced. Like no, with a compound, even if you practice, like to actually hunt with a compound, when to draw back, mm-hmm. when to go ahead and hold, when to find the like. There's a lot more going on. You know, like even like I have really bad sight, like uh, like vision. Right. And so for me, like with a scope, you could get really close. Like you have much better odds. I think it's more ethical sometimes if someone's less experienced. So for me personally. I choose not to use a crossbow, but like I don't want to be the one to limit it to somebody yeah. else. I guess that's my take on it. I I, I like it's I agree with both. both it's, sides. Yeah, it's crazy because I, I like the ethical side. Like if you don't have the time to practice, but no, everyone says they don't have time to practice, but yet we all find time that shoot regular bows. Mm-hmm. Like I, we practice all the time, <clears throat> and good. we're busy as all get out. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. I know, so it's just different. Yeah. I shoot in my basement every day. He does. You know, it's... And know. thank goodness you've not missed yet. No water pipes have been hit yet. That she knows. <laughs> favorite podcast to listen to? Oh, favorite podcast. Hunting related? Or hunting hun- okay. hunting related. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, hunting related? I'm, I'm a big Mark. I like Mark Kenyon's podcast. I like Mark Kenyon. I like Drury Outdoors. Um, you listen to Hunting Public quite a bit? Listening to the hunting public, definitely. Um, so your favorite? What's your favorite? Gritty. Oh, Gritty Bowman. Gritty Bowman. I don't know what my favorite is. Probably, probably Mark Kenyon's Wired yeah, to Hunt. Wired to Hunt. Yeah, he does a good job over there. I love listening to his stuff. So, all right, we're gonna wrap up. I have three final questions for you, right. and I one of these I believe is the hardest hardest question. So Some more questions on Instagram there. Um, Making sure you're not losing your. Sorry, guys. So, we'll look. Make sure there's no other questions really quick. Um, what is the... You know, ask a question to Phil. Come on, Jordan. What kind of bow do you, does Phil shoot? See? Bow do I shoot? Uh, I had a... Oh, I've shot in Hoyt and Matthews. I'm currently shooting in Matthews. I don't know if I'll get a new bow this year. I like my bow. Um, Matthews what? Uh, it's a Matthews HTX, the no okay. cam. No cam. It's a nice uh, bow. It's a nice bow. I'll, I'll probably shoot it again this year. and But who knows? And it's crazy how much uh, like archery has advanced mm-hmm. the past even five to ten years. It's crazy. You can get awesome bows. There's awesome bows out there. Different manufacturers, they all make great bows. Yeah, we were just talking about that actually yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, we are with my buddy Jake, and we were talking. You could buy a bow that's made like this year's model. They're basically all going to do the same thing. Mm. Like, I think that technology is so advanced right now. I mean, there's nothing that's going to blow your mind. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's your plug, Anna. Jake's, Jake wants to get that new bow. Jordan, yeah. plug for Jake, right I'm helping, trying to help you out, bud. <laughs> trying to help well, you funny. out. My first bow was an Alpine, and I had that thing for like eight years. And then when I finally went to go get fitted and everything for my like for a nice bow, I got the Matthews Jewel. Mm-hmm. And it, it was night and day different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shot mm-hmm. so much faster. The, the like relief when you like it turns over was... Mm-hmm. Your back walls, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Jordan trying to get me a good new bow, but I love my Matthews Jewel. I've had it for, what, five years now, too? I love it, though. It's mm-hmm. hard to go away from it. Yeah. Hard to let go. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you could tell your younger self one thing... Mm-hmm. Related to hunting, what would it be? It's for you, Gavin. Um, one thing related to hunting. Um, just get out in the woods and have fun, really. Um, don't worry about shooting the biggest deer. Just just be out in the woods and 
And obviously, over the years, like I said, I've been hunting smarter, not harder. But just being out in the woods is, is really something special to me. And I just love being out in nature. Okay. How about you? For me, what can I tell my hunter, younger self? Hunt more. Hunt more. And I would say also to that question is have hunting buddies or partners. Yeah. I know you guys are awesome. I talk to about other people. You know, hunt. It's... Thing hunting is very into you can do it as an individual or as a group and I just think like anything else you have more fun and more enjoyment when you have someone to do it with or share it with for sure for sure who is that you shoot that big buck who's the first person you text or call oh I guess it depends like this year when I shot my <laughs> eight point I was actually sitting in my uncle's tree stand so I texted him first okay okay um but probably either Jordan or my friend Matt. That's okay. awesome. Or no. group text. Or a group text. Yeah, because that's a good one because then you don't have any first. We have a group text that is, it gets on fire once we come into that, that mm. hunting season. So that is, that's awesome. If I could tell my younger self one thing, yeah, I'd be hunting with buddies. I like that mm. one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hunting with people is, is a lot of fun. You, less, you make let, memories. You make more memories that way for sure. Less playing games and stuff. Get out there. Enjoy the woods. Yeah. It's a lot, <laughs> a lot nicer. So, um, if you could hunt with one person, Ooh. dead or alive, dead or alive, one single person, and you could go anywhere. It could be a bear hunt. It could be anything. You just you I don't just... know. I've never really thought about that one person. And I didn't either. I told I said it was Jordan, and he laughed. And he's like, <laughs> "I'm like, wait, I wasn't your person. <laughs> Apparently not. Who I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have one. Fred Bear, Donnie, Donnie Vincent. I think yeah. would be be mine. I would, I, I would do anything to go on a hunt with Donnie Vincent. I think it would be cool mm. to go with Steve Ranella for Meat Eater and just kind of figure out, I mean, to kind of see how he, like, because I love his show, like, when he shows how he eats all parts of the animal and whatnot. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. that'd be kind that of interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah mine, mine would be this, Donnie. Yeah, Donnie. I'm a big Donnie Vincent fan. His stuff is unbelievable. Jim Shockey. Jim Shockey. Gavin's, Gavin. Gavin's over here. Yeah, you, you can't, can't see, see him, him. But Jim Shockey. Who's your one, Phil? I don't know. Um, put you on the spot. I guess it depends what kind of hunt I'm doing. I, uh, my grandpa's getting up there in age, and he does. I mean, like he goes up deer camp every year. But probably back when he used to pheasant hunt a lot, mm-hmm. and there used to be a lot of pheasants, I'd probably love to do that one. Yeah, one that hunt. would be cool. Mm-hmm. All right, this is this is the hardest question, and I struggle answering this all the time because, and that this is part of the reason I love Donnie Vincent because his explanation of this question is probably the closest thing I could. I could agree with is why do you hunt? Uh, there's lots of reasons why I hunt. I hunt because the meat, because being outdoors is awesome, because being kind of that in nature, and I just think it's so, I think it's natural for humans to hunt, and it's very, you know, instinctive, and, you know, it might not be politically correct or in modern society be you know might be looked frowned upon but i just think it's so natural for me and it just it just i just feel so i don't know in touch with myself and in touch with nature um when i'm out there and especially when it comes time to harvest you know let pull that trigger you know let the release go that that sense of you're gonna take a life and uh I just think it's something special, and I love the challenge. I think more people today, whether it be hunting or something else, should challenge yourself, and hunting is a challenge. Yeah, 
I like that. What do you say to people that are not, don't have experience hunting, so might be anti-hunters? What's been your response if you ever had to encounter them? Uh, I don't really, I haven't really encountered anyone anti-hunting, but I mean, there is, there are people out there, I Mm -hmm. don't know, I guess. And people say, oh, why can't you just let nature be nature? Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at nature's, nature's cruel. (laughs) Nature's, nature's not nice. We found five cruel answers. Nature is not nice. What yeah. humans do to animals is far more humane, and I think it's res- you know it's a respectable it pastime. It's nat- yes. like I said, it's natural, and yeah. uh, it's something I, that challenges yourself. And people should do more to challenge themselves and get outside their comfort zone. I would argue that we like hunters, and, and not I'm not bashing like non-hunters because every, to like everyone has their right to do their own thing. I know what but you're to say. Hunters care more about the animals than non-hunters. Hundred percent. We care more about herd health, more about the ratio, sex ratios, more about you know overall 100%. management of the environment than non-hunters. I mean, we we literally spend thousands weeks, of dollars, thousands of dollars in hours. weeks planting food plots and growing deer and keeping deer healthy. Healthy, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's not just deer; it's overall you know native species, native grasses. Yeah, and you know, trying to fight invasive species is a big problem, not just for hunters but farmers as well as me as a farmer. But yeah. turkeys, I mean, we did. That's that's, yeah. what, that's what's yeah. crazy. Like people come out and they'll argue against what what we do, but yeah. Well, we're going to wrap it up right here. Thank you so much, Phil, for coming on and chatting with Cassandra and I. We both appreciated it. If this sounds like something you're interested in, get over to riskyoutdoors.com. Click the contact us link, shoot us a little message about you and the deer you want to come on and chat with us about. We want to talk with you guys. Please subscribe to the podcast if you want to continue to hear about Big Michigan Bucks. And as always, stay stealthy and continue to strive to become a Nimrod. Peace.